Well, I hope you're doing all right this morning. We're going to continue in our series called Alive. We are alive for such a time as this. We are revived. We are here. There is still breath in our body. I love uh, our, our, our praise and worship this morning, Brother James. <laughs> Amen. A million little miracles. I can't even count them all. Amen. All the things going on in the world. Uh, you know, one of the things I thought about is, you know, you, you look around and you say, man, I, all these things that are going on in the world, I wish I was born at a different time. And, uh, you know, where are we going? What's going to happen? And you, you look throughout history and, and nothing's really different. You know, I mean, it's just a different time. We have social media now. Uh, but all of these things God has seen before. Come on. He's seen all of them before. And we're going to talk about a king this morning who is kind of dealing with even some of the things we're dealing with today without social media. Amen. And so uh, we're talking about alive, alive. If you have your Bible or a way to get the scripture, uh, please go over to 2 Kings 23. We'll be over there in just a minute, but I'll just give you a head start if you just kind of get over there. 2 Kings chapter 23. And um, we're going to talk about a young king named Josiah. Some of you may have heard uh, of Josiah. You know, some of you theologians, I know Sister Sharon probably studied Josiah a lot. Some of you maybe never heard of Josiah. He was a young king. He, he became a king, I think, around the age of nine. And uh, so a boy, and he became king. He became king of Israel, king of Judah. He was uh, actually a young boy king, and uh, he left a mark on his generation. He was actually the 15th king of Judah down the line, okay? He was after Hezekiah. Remember, we talked about Hezekiah uh, last week. Josiah was a man of prophetic destiny. His birth was prophesied years before he was ever born. Josiah was a young man of principle. Amen. Josiah was a young man uh, who wanted more out of life. He, he didn't settle. And so many of us do that. We settle. We settle for what life is giving us. We, we, we say things like, that's how the cookie crumbles. That's how the ball bounces. That, those are the cards that you're dealt. And we just deal with what we believe life has given us. But Josiah was a king that said, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this. Maybe somebody's here today, and that thought has crossed your mind. Maybe you've lived a long life, like I have, or some of my predecessors have. And, and you would say, I've seen ups and downs. I've, I've been on the roller coaster. I've been high. I've had money. I've been on the mountaintop. I've had good relationships. I've been in the valley. I've been talked about and I've been through all of that. And here I am. And it seems like there should just be something more than this. Maybe you're a young person and uh, you're looking around at life and, and you're saying, uh, you know, I hear my parents talk about the 70s and 80s and 90s and, and uh, you know, different times. And, and the times that we're in, there's got to be more to life than this. Josiah was a king that looked around and said, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than this. And he realized that he was alive, right? 
What are we talking about? You know, my definition of alive, I've said it for the last few weeks. Alive, it means, right, come to life. It means we come to life. It's, it's who we are. Amen. We're alive. We're alive for such a time as this. Full of energy, right? That's what alive means, to be full of energy. Even if your outward body is a little tired. Come on, some of y'all. <laughs> right? I mean, I've, I've been, <laughs> I watched this show. It's, it's, I know, I'm, I'm confessing, I'm in the pulpit. Uh, I've watched this show called The Good Place. It's so, it's irreverent, you know, it's, <laughs> but it's just funny to me. I mean, they get it totally wrong, you know, where it's, you have to, uh, you know, it depends on what you do on earth. It's like just the opposite of, of being a Christian, you know, how, all the good things you do and how many points you get. That depends on if you go to the good place or if you get negative points, you go to the bad place and they just, they kind of make fun of that, you know. And um, so it's, uh, it's just kind of one of those irreverent shows. I'm just so thankful that Jesus is not that way. You know, it's about relationship with him. Amen. And, um, but, you know, even this, this word alive means to be full of energy. I was thinking I, I went to the gym this past week. I know you probably can't tell, but I did. It's, I, you know, you ask my wife. And uh, we had leg day. And it was like the next day. That, that day was okay. But the next day, my legs were not in the good place. I don't know where they were, but it was, you know, they were hurting. And so sometimes, you know, young people, you don't know about this. You don't know about this yet. But sometimes you just get up and stuff hurts. You know, you just, you don't even move. And you feel like you, you pulled an ACL. But what'd you do? I went to the bathroom, pulled my ACL, you know. That's the way you feel anyway. That's what your body tells you. But we know that scripture says something different, right? Second Peter uh, 2.24, or maybe it's First Peter, says, uh, by his stripes we were healed. So are we going to listen to what our body is saying or are we going to speak the word of God, right? And so even if your body feels like it's not full of energy, your spirit is full of energy. And if not, maybe you need to be revived. We're talking about being revived as well. Revived simply means coming back to life. Come on. It means coming back to life, being alive again, right? To come back to be restored from a state of apathy or depression to a full and energetic life. And if you don't feel that way, start speaking to yourself because God has created you. I know it's cliche-ish. I know it's Esther and it's cliche-ish for you theologians. But you were created for such a time as this. And Josiah realized that. Josiah was a zealous reformer. He was a reviver of the people. He was a rediscoverer, as we'll see, of God's word. He was a responder to God, which made him a righteous man. See, what makes you righteous is not because you do right things, but because you're a responder to God. You respond to the word of God. And then God imputes righteousness into you. Amen? What I call the Josiah principle means that we're not defined by the extraordinary, unfavorable circumstances of these evil times. Come on. We're called to rise above evil and to do what is right, to repent, to repair, to revive, and to believe God for revival, to believe God for revival. We know that as we look around today, there are signs today 
of the evil times. In case you don't know we're in evil times, all we have to do is look around. You can look around at the evil gas prices. Come on. The gas prices are evil. Come on now. It's just... but, there's, but we're in just evil times. I mean, there is an attack on truth. And it, it's not new. It's not new. But there is an attack on truth. You know, we were once guided by God's word and it's unchanging and absolute truth. Now it's every person for themselves. And the truth is in your own mind. And I, can I tell you something that uh, you might not like? It might rub you the wrong way a little bit, but I can't do anything but, but tell you what the word of God says. This is not for me. I, I, would, I would love to say something different. Uh, but this is the word of God. And that is that we, we have a saying today that, you know, you, you have to find your own truth. You know, you live your truth, Steve, and you live your truth, James, and you live your truth, Clinton. You live your truth, Jay, you know, and uh, it is absolutely and unequivocally false that you can live your own truth. I know that might rub you the wrong way, and I'm sorry if it does for me, but it's the word of God. Jesus had the audacity, I mean the unmitigated gall, to stand before his disciples and hundreds, thousands of people and say, look here, because he was from the south. He said, look here, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Listen. I'm I would love to find my own path, all right? I would love for all of us to find our own path to the truth, our own path to God. But Jesus said, if you want to get to the Father, whichever path you take, it's got to come through me because if it doesn't go through me, you're not going to get there. And he said in another place that anyone who tries to get there by any way other than me is a thief and a robber. That's the word of God. It's not, it's not Michael telling you that. I'm just preaching to you what the word of God says, okay? It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. And so we try to form and frame truth into our own experiences and our own thoughts and our own theology that we develop. But God has already laid out truth for us. He already has it for us, and there's a, an attack, there would be the death of truth if it were possible today. It's a sign of an evil impact. Also, what about the disappearance of virtue? There's an attack on virtue today. Bravery, honor, integrity, reverence, respect, generosity, compassion, purity. Where have all the virtues gone? I don't know if I told you this. I might have said this a few weeks ago, uh, but kind of a long story short, um, there was there was a, a protest going on and and I was concerned about my wife's safety and so I went down to 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 check on her and to pick her up from work and uh, one of the people who were protesting called me a misogynist and I said well why did you I haven't even said anything why you and they said well your wife she has her own two legs can she not walk out by herself. And then one girl said, your wife's probably smarter than you anyway. I said, girl, let me tell you something. My wife has a doctorate degree just about, she definitely is smarter than me. 
I can guarantee you that. She's smarter than me, better than me, better looking, and all of those things. I'm not here because I don't believe that she can walk out on her own two legs. I'm here just because I'm concerned about her and I love her and I want to be with her to make sure that she's safe. That's all. I'm not a misogynist. I mean, what happened to, to virtue? What happened to those things? You're attacked if you want to display that. There's an attack on justice even today. Justice isn't possible without truth. Come on. It's not possible. Also, there's a loss of conviction, and that goes back to when we're talking about everybody um, wanting to have their own truth. Here's something else. I, I know, see, this is why I kind of started out with a, with a light mood, because I, 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 I might get on your nerves a little bit. I might get on your nerves with some of this content, all right? But you, but you have to understand this. I, I respect, I have a respect for all human beings, no matter what you believe. I have a, a healthy respect. You want to know why? Because Jesus died for everyone. He died for everyone. Even people that I may not agree with. If you're Muslim or Buddhist or you follow Confucius or Hindu or whatever other religion or cult. Uh, there was one time they had the, there was this cult that I think they were called the spaghetti cult. You don't believe me. They wore uh, colanders. On, well, anyway, they did. It's true. That's, that's true. But, I mean, whatever you believe, I have a healthy respect, absolutely, for you. But it's not going to make me change my mind about who Jesus is. And we can still have lunch. We can still have coffee. We can, we can still talk about it. But we're never going to agree when it comes to Jesus died on the cross and rose again if you say there's something different than that. We'll never agree on that. But I will not discriminate against you. I'll, I'll still respect you. I'll do all of those things. Amen. But the, the, the issue is, the issue is there's this loss or an attack on conviction. And see, what we have to understand is that, that if your way is right and my way is right and her way is right and his way is right, then nobody's way is right. Somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong. Every way can't be right, folks. And when you feel that way, then there's no conviction. I told you, this is, this is on Front Street. I went right to it. <laughs> on Front Street. There's no conviction. And we have a loss of conviction. We have a loss of conviction today, even among Christians. It led to the privatization of faith. We're being pressured to keep quiet about faith and made to feel inferior about having faith. Now, let me get on some of your nerves this morning, fellow Christians. Some of that can be attributed to us, and some of it is our fault. Because there are those who look down their nose at others. There are those, come on, who have been self-righteous at times, and I would be guilty of that at times in the past, all right, and, and to drive people away. All right, that, 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 that has happened. I get it. I understand it. All right. But what we have to understand is that Jesus, we say it, Jesus is love. Jesus is love. Jesus doesn't just love. It's who he is. It's who God is. And if Jesus is in us, then we are also love, even if we don't act like it. We just need to line up and act like it sometimes. Come on. 
But it doesn't mean we compromise the truth. See, Jesus had a perfect way of doing this. I just, I go back every single time, and you might, if you, if you come here, if you're new, you, you may not have heard me say this, but you come here, uh, you've heard me say it a hundred times. But my favorite story is the woman caught in adultery because Jesus, Jesus displayed the perfect balance between standard and compassion. When he said, where are your accusers? She said, I have none, Lord. He said, then I don't accuse. The God of the universe doesn't accuse her. But then he said, go and sin no more. So there's a standard there. Don't think he just allowed her to feel like whatever she was doing was okay. He just didn't condemn her. He said, there's a better way. There's a better way. And so for us as Christians, we look around and we, we see at the university how you can, uh, you know, you can talk about LGBTQ. You can talk about mental health. You can talk about all of the things, all the issues of the world. But when you mention Jesus, you're intolerant. Some of y'all might be, but that's not me. That's not my testimony. It's not your testimony either. I know it's not. But, but I am intolerant when it comes to Jesus died on the cross. I, I don't know what to tell you on that point. <laughs> but I'm not intolerant when it comes to you are of value and God loves you. And I don't believe you're correct if you follow something other than the word of God. All right. There is a dominance of feeling in the world today. Feelings have begun to replace uh, fact in human deliberation and decisions. Emotions, come on, have displaced reason and style is winning over influence. We see that in politics. We see it in our universities. We see it in our homes. It's, it's how do you feel? Let's go by that versus what's the truth. How do you feel versus what's the truth? There's even an exaltation of nature. I used to, years ago, I used to work with this lady. We used to, we used to joke back and forth. It was Cindy. And uh, she, she was, she's a nice lady, wonderful, wonderful person. But she used to always joke how her dog, you know, her dog was her son, you know, and, uh, which, was, which was fine. It, but, but where we got into it was she, she began to say, well, you know, I like animals better than humans. And I said, Cindy, I can, I can understand where you're coming from because some people got on your nerves. You know, we, we work here at this company and, you know, you're dealing with people. I said, but Cindy, you know, you, we weren't created for animals. They were created for us. Now, we, we're supposed to be, we're the landlords. We're supposed to be taking good care of them. Come on. All right. We're not tyrants, but we weren't created for them. We weren't created for the earth. We weren't created. It, it was created for us. You have to understand that, okay? We don't exalt nature above God. Nature is not God. It's the creation. It's the creation, amen? And so all of these things infiltrate into our society as they have today. And when that happens, you have what we have. Seemingly chaotic society. I mean, we're getting along, but... What is going on right now? What is going on? But in the midst of it all, God is calm 
God saw it all. It, when, when, when the scripture says God saw the end from the beginning, he already knew what was coming. Come on. And in a time when all of this was going on, he raised up a Josiah. He raised up a Josiah to do what's right in the, in the eyes of the Lord, to walk in the proven principles of those who were before him, to not turn aside from the path that he had chosen. Why am I saying all this? Am I saying all this just to get on your nerves today? I mean, I, I wanted to come and just tell you God loves you and the grace of God is, God is for you and not against you and you are an overcomer as you are. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and never again beneath. You are not a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. And God's love outshines anything you could ever do. And I don't care how much you sin, you can't sin more than God's love. That's the Bible. Romans, because Paul said where, where sin does abound, grace does that much more abound. You can't out-sin God's grace. That's what I really wanted to come and talk about this morning. But God is calling us to a place where we've got to draw a line in the sand. We've got to make a decision, and our purity has to be revived. We need to call on God to revive our purity. Revive our purity. See, Josiah made a decision. He made a decision to do some things. We'll see that here in just a moment. I came across this story uh, it's called the, 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 of this place called the Meuse Valley in Belgium. And it, it's surrounded by mountains on all sides of this valley. And and it's a community of people that live in there, hundreds of people that live in there. And one day, back in the 30s, this actually happened, there was a fog that came over the community. And it lasted for about five days. And even going outside, you couldn't really see right in front of you. It's not a scary movie. It's not a horror movie. This actually happened. There was a fog there. And uh, when the fog lifted about four or five days later, 60 people had died. 60 people had died. True story. And what they found out was that in the fog were all of these impurities and toxins that came from nearby factories, all right, who were, who were putting off all of these toxins and it got mixed in with the fog and it came over this valley and they were just small impurities. You couldn't smell it, you couldn't taste it, but it affected 60 people who died. Small impurities can lead to disastrous consequences. And the same is true for our lives. Small impurities can lead to disastrous consequences with us. The old folks used to have a saying that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Leavens the whole lump. Just a little bit. And we have to be we don't have to be condemned for these things, but we must be convicted. Go over to the Second Kings chapter 23. In fact, I'm just going to, this, this is a long passage of Scripture, but I really want you to get what Josiah's doing here. I, I want to start right at verse 1. I want to skip down uh, here. I want to start right at verse 1, and I'm going down through verse 15, if you have your Bible. 
follow along with me. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. If you have a different version, we'll be at the same place together. It's a long passage, but put, but put yourself in it, okay? This is a story, all right? Put yourself in it, all right? Josiah had been king for some time now. The Bible says in verse 1 of 2 Kings 23, it says, Now the king sent them to gather all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing the words of the book of the covenant or the book of the law, which had been found in the house of the Lord. Verse 3. Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. And the, and the king commanded Hilkiah, the high priest, the priest of the second order, and the doorkeepers to the king to bring out of the temple of the Lord, all the articles that were made for Baal. Watch this now. Watch this. For Asherah and for all the hosts of heaven. And he burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. Then he removed the idolatrous priests whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the cities of Judah and in the places all around Jerusalem. And those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun, to the moon, to the constellations, and to the hosts of heaven. And he brought out the wooden image from the house of the Lord to the brook of Kidron outside Jerusalem. Burned it at the brook Kidron and ground it to ashes and threw its ashes on the graves of the common people. Then he tore down the ritual booths and the perverted persons that were in the house of the Lord where the women wove hangings. Uh, wove, women wove hangings for the wooden images and he brought all the priests from the cities of Judah and defiled the high places where the priests burned incense. From Geba to Beersheba also he broke down the high places at the gates which were at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city which were to the left of the city gate. Verse 9, nevertheless the priests of the high places uh, did not come up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they ate unleavened bread among their brethren. And he defiled Topeth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no man might make his son or his daughter pass through the fire of Molech. Then he removed the horses that the kings of Judah had dedicated to the son at the entrance to the house of the Lord by the chamber of Nathan Melech, the officer who was in the court, and he burned the chariots of the sun with fire, the altars that were on the roof, the upper chamber of Ahaz, which the kings of Judah had made, and the altars which Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of the Lord. The king broke down and pulverized there and threw their dust into the brook Kidron. Then the king defiled the high places that were east of Jerusalem, which were on the south of the Mount of Corruption. Hmm which Solomon, king of Israel, had built for Asherah, the abomination of the Sidonians, for Chemosh, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Milcom, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he broke into pieces the sacred pillars 
and cut down the wooden images and filled their places with the bones of men. Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel and the high place which Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin, had made both that altar and the high place he broke down. And he burned the high place and crushed it to powder and burned the wooden images. Let me stop right there. Why did I read all that? Because this king wasn't playing around. I mean, this king said, when I clean house, I am going to clean house. You know what one of our issues is as Christians and as people? We believe in Jesus and we say that I am crucified with Christ. We say that with our mouth. But we look with our eyes and we see our flesh on that cross and we feel sorry for it. And we want to bring it down and we want to go easy and we want to say, oh, a little at a time. I'm only human. I can't go that far. Just I'm kind of okay. I'm kind of right. I can get to the good place because I can rack up enough points. Come on. We feel sorry for our flesh. But Josiah said, I don't feel sorry for the flesh because I want all that God has for me. I want my purity to be revived and I want Israel's purity. I want Judah's purity to be revived. So he made a decision. He made a decision. So God is asking you today to make a decision. Let me give you four decisions that Josiah made and four decisions that we need to make. I'm going to finish up with these. You might want to write these down. You might want to put them in your notes on your Bible. Because these are decisions that we must make. First of all, decide to place your affections, your affections rightly. What do I mean by that? Bring down the high places in your life. Let God be your first love. There are so many things that we value in life. Relationships, rightly so. Come on. Material things. Clothes. Our job. Children. Parents. Spouse. Boyfriend. Girlfriend. Bank account, 401k, degree, so many things that we value. But they've become high places. And God is saying, bring the high places down and set me in the high place. Because if I'm in the high place, all these other things will prosper. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Come on, somebody. And what? How many things? All these things will be added unto you. See, God doesn't want you to take all these things away because he's trying to be mean to you and say, you don't need that. I'm just going to take it from you. No, he's trying to say, make me first and you'll have all of this and it'll be good. He'll be good. You know what he told Joshua? He said, let this book of the law stay in your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Don't ever let it out of your mouth. Observe to do all that is written therein. All, all. That is written therein. And then you will have good success, not bad success, 
You'll have good success and you'll make your own way prosperous. Bring down the high places. Number two, we need to decide to live morally. Break the altars of Baal. Or, like the old people used to say, shame the devil and tell the truth. It's as simple as that. Shame the devil and tell the truth. Stop lying. You know, as Christians, we see a lot of stuff going on and, and a lot of things we obviously would look at and would say are immoral. You know, I mentioned, you know, some of the things in society uh, that we see, immorality. But do you know God looks at all of it as immorality? When you're lying, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Now, am I condemning? Absolutely not. There is therefore now no condemnation of those who in Christ Jesus walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. This is not a condemning message at all. It's meant to be encouraging because God has so much for you. God's blessings are going to overtake you. We just need to, all I'm trying to get us to do is to make him first. Decide today to live morally. Decide to pursue God's will. Destroy the wooden images. Come on. Decide to pursue what God wants. What is your will? I have a way that I think. I have a way. We can have discussions about a whole bunch of stuff. We can have discussions about, uh, you know, society, the economy. Uh, we can have discussions about racism, uh, homosexuality, abortion, uh, how, what, what you want to bring up. We can have discussions about all those things. And in every one of those subjects, I have an opinion. I'm just going to let you know right now. I have an opinion. But what I have to understand is that what is your will, God? And we have it. It's his word. We have it according to your word. I can read Romans chapter one. I don't have to guess. Is it right or wrong? I can just read Romans chapter one and God will tell me if it's right or wrong. See, this was the problem from the beginning. OK, I know I'm, I'm just about done. This was the problem from the beginning. This right here, number three, decide to pursue God's will. This was the problem from the beginning. This is why God said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I know what's good. I know what's evil. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got your back. I got you taken care of. All you got to do is live. I got you. But no, no, even Adam, they want to know. I need to know. What's right and what's wrong? It's us today. God already laid out what's right and what's wrong. All we have to do is, and it's not, it's not about do's and don'ts. It's about a relationship with him. His law will be written on your heart. Lastly, decide to have a right perception of God. Decide to have a correct perception. Destroy the carved images. Image carved out of anything else except God's word leads you to a wrong, unbiblical perception of God. These are some decisions that we have to make. We wonder why we're on this roller coaster ride, and we wonder why I don't ever hear from God, and we wonder why life is the way it is, and we wonder why the economy is the way it is. Come on, and we wonder why society is the way it is. And God said, I'm calling a people. My Ecclesia, I'm calling you to make a decision, to make a decision like Josiah made, to have your purity revived. God is telling you this morning, 
if you will allow me, if you will allow me to revive your purity, you will see, come on, you will, you will have revelation like you've never had before. All right. You will have you will see revival like you've never seen before. You will see an uprising of righteousness and morality like you've never seen before in the midst of everything else. You will see it if you will allow me to revive your purity. Allow me to revive your purity. And so to some of us, this is this can be a hard message for us this morning. We really have to confront philosophy. We have to confront our thoughts. We have to confront our experiences. We have to confront all of these things. We have to confront our offenses. We have to confront these things. 